Thank you for choosing to listen to the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast. In a really amazing selection of other podcasts indicative of the recruitment market and the business market, for whatever reason you're listening now, we just want to say thank you for choosing us. We couldn't do this without our sponsor and our partners. We're going to talk about them a little bit later on in the show, but thank you to Pager, our sponsors, and our partners, Inclusion Crowd and Needy. And without further ado, let's jump in to get to know this week's guest. Where to start with our next guest? Alison Humphreys is one of the most well-respected non-exec directors strategic advisors and recruitment leaders that the industry has ever seen in the UK. With a career spanning over four decades, Alison has totally transformed businesses across the UK. I've personally had the honour and privilege of getting to know Alison, not only as a fellow advocate in the industry, but also as a recruitment judge for the Recruiter Awards. And Alison's so much fun To be honest with you, one episode probably isn't enough to unpick her incredible advice and we try and do it succinctly. So hang on tight because we discuss so many topics today, not least about how the recruitment industry has developed into an ecosystem, what her biggest learns and advice have been over the four decades that she's been in the industry. And the biggest topic we discuss is the huge irony that as recruitment leaders ourselves, we tend to really struggle with hiring for our own industry. Why is that? How can we change that? How can you as our listener be part of that change? And what does EVP really truly mean? We really get under the skin of all the different elements of what it means to attract, hire, onboard, and retain the best talent in our, in our industry. So whether you're listening to this now as a recruiter starting their journey, as a recruitment business owner like me that has a pretty bit of a lifestyle boutique, or whether you're growing and scaling a large corporate business, this episode is definitely for you. So without further ado, let's jump into the episode. This is Leisha Holmes, and I'm your host on the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast. And I cannot believe it has taken me the best part of about three seasons to invite this incredible, incredible recruitment professional onto our podcast. This person will probably need no introduction to certainly a lot of my client base anyway, and I'm going to let her do the full introduction into her background. But this is Alison Humphreys, who is a very well-respected non-exec director, strategic advisor and owner of Recruitment Leadership and also fellow podcaster. Welcome to you today, Alison. How are you? Oh, thank you, Alicia. I'm well, and thank you for that really kind introduction. You're uh, I'm sure there are loads of people who who don't know me, so I'll just I'll quickly sort of position myself. Um, I now work, as you say, as a non-exec director um, and board advisor to working with directors and owners of recruitment businesses. It's based on a uh, recruitment career that has uh, started in 1985, wow. um, and um, I've during that time I've covered you know pretty much you name it. I've done it international statement of works and master service provision on top of my um, traditional recruitment across a multiplicity of sectors Um, and uh, more recently I was MD of a business called Liquid Personnel which people in the north will tend to know um, uh, when we took it through to um, a sale. Um, So yeah delighted to be here and 
I just love talking recruitment. I, I know. We so... both share such a passion, don't we? And I know that even before I press record, we could have talked the hind leg off a donkey. That's the yes. truth. But you can see, hopefully, you'll all be sat listening with your pen and paper ready to take some notes because I know that whatever Alison shares generally, when I've had the pleasure of being a fellow judge with you for the Recruiter Awards for the amazing Recruitment Magazine, it's just the most incredible honour, isn't it, to do that? That's how we've really got to know mm. each other, I think, as well. But this is why I've asked you on because you, first of all, you don't look like you've been in recruitment since 1985, but I'm, I'm a little bit behind you, 1998. Keep talking. Keep talking, lovely. <laughs> it's that skylight. Your yeah. recruitment career is, you know, it's phenomenal. But what you'll have seen over the last few decades will probably just be breathtaking. But is it possible to pinpoint kind of three main major things, because I like the number three, that you mm -hmm. think have been monumental in where we are right now in 2023 as a recruitment industry? The Recruiters Recruitment Podcast is thrilled to be partnering with Inclusion Crowd. Inclusion Crowd put the D into diversity, but do it disruptively. We love that. Really reflecting what we're about. I was introduced to Inclusion Crowd back in 2020, and I've been absolutely blown away with what they're doing to totally transform the recruitment and hiring sector. They believe at Inclusion Crowd that companies should be reflective of society and that no matter who you are listening now, you have a story to tell. You have a contribution to make. An Inclusion Crowd educates you in allowing your voice to come out and share that story, but doing it in a way that educates your colleagues and your customers equally. Inclusion Crowd like the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast, has clients all over the world and they specialise in our industry. What we all want to do together is to maintain best practice and to raise industry standards to enable us to attract and retain the best talent, but doing so inclusively and with true diversity. By doing this, by accomplishing a true EDI policy within your business, you will also retain the top talent as well as attract new talent, which is a win-win for everybody listening, making more profitable business and a much better industry, higher regard, highly regarded. Inclusion Crowd are also the official awarding body for the Inclusion and Diversity Certification Mark within recruitment. We are so proud to be assisting and partnering Inclusion Crowd if you want to know more information, please click on the link in this episode and remember to mention the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast when you do so. Now, back to the episode. Oh, okay, as an industry, right. Mm. So, um, first point, and this isn't, I hope this isn't just a recency error, mm. but I do think that the pandemic has fundamentally changed the way that the mm. industry works. Mm. Um, if you look at all the technologies that we now now use, um, they were all available before the pandemic. You know, mm. you could have been regularly doing video interviewing way before the pandemic, but people didn't. So we yep. do sometimes need to be really shelved into change <laughs> by that. And, um, you know, and of course, adoption of the same things by all our clients and candidates. You know, mm. that's really key. But if you look at, for example, how people are doing eligibility checks now, that's mm. that came through mm. because of the pandemic. Mm. If you look at how they're doing psychometrics, I mean, you know, fundamentally we've changed and that requires a whole different 
set of skills mm. um and along with that i probably put um automation i don't think we've even begun yet no. to see ai and its impact on recruitment um i think that that won't become clear probably for another five years at mm. least mm. um but automation i'm blown away by the amount of recruitment tech there is available now unbelievable isn't it um it's uh, you know it's some of it is very impressive i think where we're at at the moment is a bit of a it's a bit of a mess if i'm really honest mm. because what so many businesses i know have have been forced to do is they've learned about things single use type applications and they've seemed affordable which is mm. a, remains a terribly important factor absolutely um you know so they've bolted them on and mm. bolted more on and more mm. on and i only have to look through the you know the pnl of some of my of the companies i work with and see just how many subscriptions and licenses they're paying for right um and then talk to the people on their sales floor and find out just how little they're some using of them, it. How little use some of them are actually Ooh. making right yeah Mm. um so you know there's a great it it can really easy to for a business owner to just sign up to something and then then go there you go guys mm. this will rock your world and actually people don't have the time to change their habits or build incorporate mm. it into their processes or indeed sell it effectively to their clients yeah there's a disparity between the two it's like joining the gym and then just not actually getting out of the house to go to it isn't it i think it's it yeah. i think it's probably very realistic what you just said there uh, and there's always something new and shiny and as recruiters yeah. we are salespeople we like to be sold to but i think it's really interesting that from your objective viewpoint obviously in a similar way that i'm i have an objective viewpoint that the application of it you know it could it could actually totally transform somebody's business couldn't it so yeah. that was two that was two things right Good spot. Yes. yes. I was just I was just mulling over while you were talking there. What's my third? Do you know what it is? I think it's the um oh okay. So there's there's kind of part A Two and parts. part B to this okay. third point. The the recruitment industry, you know, used to just be agencies mm. and now it's a whole ecosystem, you know. Yeah. So we have um you know substantial, very successful RPO businesses. We have executive search, we have businesses that do volume, temp and contract. Mm. And, um, you know, they all they all coexist yep. um, really well. You know, mm. and we have not reached the, the lid of how much the, you know, how many businesses the, the recruitment industry can absorb. Um, the tied to that, Bizarrely, what I have seen over many, many years, decades, in fact, is actually far better cooperation mm. between recruitment businesses, you know, sharing experience and wisdom. Yeah. So if I look at some of the networking mm. groups, you know, WhatsApp mm. groups, business mm. groups mm. that I'm involved with, you would not have seen this level of openness and sharing um, even 10 years ago. No, no way. I agree. So, um, you know, the, the, the I think it really highlights the importance of um, referrals and recommendations because mm. people are on, on these networking groups are always looking for, like, has anyone got a solution to this? Has anyone tried this? What do people think of this app? And so on. And 
um you know people understand we're not all in direct competition no. so they're willing to share they're open mm. and that leads to you know the increasing if it's not overstating it the increasing wisdom of the whole industry. i agree absolutely and you know that. we're not in a fight. we don't all think that i mean i have this secret that i've got to mm. guard mm. um uh, jealously because we appreciate that we're all actually trying to occupy something some slightly different part i totally everything that you've just said i echo from the top of the mountains alison you know the collaboration that i've per per personally and professionally witnessed let's say specifically since covid maybe but i think we could go back a few years you're right but maybe over the last sort of five years or so but significantly since the pandemic has been mind-blowing and it i think it truly has transformed the whole mindset of our industry that there is enough business for everybody that's the truth and that we are elevating our external perception which i think we all have a responsibility to do which is that we are not seen as these you know transactional you know careless salespeople that are just that just don't care and they're just money driven actually we've made oh, us totally transform the perception when I read things online that say, oh, we're not like your typical recruitment agency, I just want to roll my eyes. Me too. Stop bringing down the industry. Yeah. We're part of it. And actually, yeah. most, it, I, you know, the weird thing, I have never met someone who actually says, yeah, I set up a really rubbish recruitment agency. <laughs> I'm terrible. terrible. I don't care about anything. I'm totally unique. No, I know. I mean, look, what makes you unique? Nothing really actually makes you unique. You, well, you're unique because you are you as a human being. So I think it's the disingenuous um, narrative that has followed our industry around for far too long. And I think that's where LinkedIn specifically actually has become such an authentic, in theory, authentic marketplace to truly show yourself because of personal brand, actually. And that level of collaboration and you see, you know, these posts, can anyone recommend? And you see everyone jumping in and it's like they can't do enough. So I think that's been for me i think i absolutely i'm really passionate about your third one that was part a right yeah, I'm, so I'm, the part a was about um the whole there being the uh, whole ecosystem and part b was the collaboration, collaboration. Yeah. right you see I was, i'm just taking just checking I, was, I have actually written that down actually because i think that's going to make a great title for this no i think that's fantastic and look thank you for that was putting you on the spot a little bit because i imagine there's so much that you've learned and that obviously you've taken businesses on their journey so one of the main reasons I wanted to invite you on is because there's a massive irony in the recruitment world uh -huh. and I'm gonna I'm gonna be a little bit contrary with what I'm about to say because given it's my day job to recruit for recruitment businesses sometimes we get it wrong and we're not great at hiring for ourselves why do you think that is and then in your experience what can leaders do to ensure whether it's through using things like data, possibly using automation to protect our own attrition rates and ensure that we've got good succession planning? We are so proud at the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast to be sponsored by Pager. Pager helps recruiters to build personal brands, to identify new business opportunities, to attract those hard-to-find candidates, and to basically have better conversations. Now, you will have a large network that you want to build credibility with on LinkedIn. And sometimes posting content every day feels impossible. Now, that changes once you have Pager. Pager provides you with the ideas, the content and the scheduling capability for, to produce daily content 
to build out your own personal brand in minutes and for business development too. Pager identifies companies that are advertising jobs, have key hiring indicators such as funding rounds, mergers, acquisitions or senior appointments and then alerts you to this daily. Pager also enables you to write candidate-centric job adverts without bias in seconds. So once you advertise your job, Pager will then automatically create a branded post and publish it to LinkedIn without you even having to lift a finger. So when you want to actively source candidates, you can create complex Boolean strings in seconds. All you need to do is to provide the job title and location. Now, Pager is making thousands and thousands of recruiters smarter and faster. For more information, click on the link pager.co to book your demo. And remember to mention the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast when inquiring. Now, back to the episode. Right. Okay. So what do we get wrong? Let's start there because yes. it's always easier to, um, to pick, pick holes, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> so the first point I'd make is that very often um, people I meet are, are actually unclear what skills and aptitudes they are interviewing for. Mm. So they just get a feeling about people. You know, that kind of thing. And mm -hmm. um, if you had a client that gave you that as feedback on your candidate, you wouldn't accept it. You'd say, well, what specifically? You know, how is that relevant to the job? So I think that's the very first thing is defining what, in fact, are the behaviours mm -hmm. and aptitudes and very base level of um, knowledge or, or education, because actually there's no correlation mm -hmm. between that and in recruitment that I can see um, but you know being really clear what we're interviewing for mm -hmm. and for my money um, there are some things that's, that go across every sector <laughs> of recruitment that I've, I've been involved in um, and those are high level of fluid intelligence I'll come back to in a second okay. um, strong goal orientation with mm -hmm. an action element yeah okay. so without mm -hmm. action a goal is just a dream right so I'm, I'm actually looking for evidence that people have set themselves stretching goals and then taken specific action to work towards it. Case in point, anybody who comes in and goes, I've always wanted to work in recruitment. Right. When did you make that decision and what exactly did have you, you done do about, about it? it from then? <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm, so laugh I'm laughing, Alison, because I get that feedback. Some, not, not, <laughs> not about my candidates I isn't too bad because I don't do the junior market. But yeah. seriously, because my friend works in recruitment and they've done nothing about it. Yeah. Carry on. Sorry. Um, right. So what else? OK, so um, good communication and rapport and specifically because that's a big and it means anything to anybody. Mm. Specifically, I'm looking for people who can rapidly absorb information in a mm. dialogue mm -hmm. and adapt their responses accordingly. Okay. People who can not only listen, but show they they've been listening. Mm. Um so that's another one. Um, I'm going to say it. Money motivation is yeah, important. Of course it is. You can be goal orientated without being money mm -hmm. motivated. Mm -hmm. um, and there are, you know, actually be, that that has to motivate you. It's lovely to be able to say that in the end, 
you're successful. Money doesn't money doesn't matter of itself anymore, but it is still a way of keeping score. Of course, yeah? it is. Mm. And um, so it it helps in that respect. Um, what else? Uh, yeah, interestingly, this one, um, an ability within reason to follow process. Right. Yeah. So mm. um, we actually work within quite a lot of constraints, and if you look at the traditional, those who are familiar with psychometrics will know what I mean by a lazy Z profile. Mm. Um, and and those who don't, just Google it. It's a really well-known term. Um, in in earlier state, the earliest stages of the recruitment industry generally, and in very early stages of a new business, we tend to look for people who have low compliance, who's who are driven by finding ways around the rules or by dodging processes and just keeping their eyes on the prize. Yeah. But actually, as the industry has matured and probably also because we've become more dependent on good quality data. Agreed. Having having some ability to mm. follow a process like recording, you mm. know, your yeah. calls and action in a CRM has become more important. Yeah. And I'm I'm basing that actually on on having been able to track performance from how people interviewed and profiled at entry level mm. through to their performance over several years. So there's point one. Be really clear about what you're interviewing for. And if there are um, there's more than one person involved in that hiring decision, more stages, then make sure you all agree on the standards of the evidence you're looking for. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, I mentioned money motivation there. I don't accept um, that when someone, let's say, you know, a, a new entrant to the industry says, well, um, I did some fundraising at university because I was told I had to. And it involved me sitting in a, you know, an office for three hours, making calls to alumni of the university, just going, hey, today. Mm-hmm. That's not money motivation. Um, so people who've gone out and got themselves a job, and, and I mean, no matter what degree you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. There's a medical degree and he could have a job during it. So yeah. Um, yeah. A, a level of a, a standard of evidence, if you like. That you yeah, agree I agree. With. So that's mm. that's my first point. OK. Next, really, really important one. Uh, people get it wrong because they don't reference the candidates they take on. OK. Um, Who are we talking about? Who? We, where? We, where are we referencing them from and when? Right. Good point. Okay. So the obvious choice is, is most recent employer. Mm-hmm. Clearly there's, you know, that has to wait until you've made an offer if they're yes. currently working there. Correct. Um, and um, those, many of the businesses I know who do do this actually just delegate it like an, you know, tick box admin exercise. Right. So it's just a form that they're sending over or something. Oh, is it, they're just sending a form or something. It's not a fo- right. Wasted opportunity, exactly. isn't it? This is so important Mm. this person could make the difference between literally bringing your business down Mm. yeah Mm. or um or totally accelerating growth so i would always encourage the the manager or director of the of a new hire to take up that reference Mm. verbally verbally Mm -hmm. i've met with some people who are reluctant to do this they go well you know, perhaps they had a bad relationship with that person mm-hmm. or that person's annoyed that they, they've lost yeah. a good filler mm-hmm. or whatever mm-hmm. it might be. Mm-hmm. 
know what? I trust myself to make that judgment call. Yeah. About the you know, you know, it's subjective, right? If you're taking the reference, you know, it's subjective because you might have had somebody in the past that might say that about you, for example. What are your mm -hmm. thoughts on um, a more 360 approach? So maybe getting one of the recruiter's clients or candidates or colleagues to give a reference. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I love it for experienced people. Yeah, um, and I would just say um, that I would pick them myself if somebody had a lot of experience. I would mm. say, right, okay, I want you to come up with a client beginning with P. Mm. You know, if they've worked for a long time, that kind of mm. thing. Yeah. Um, everybody can have a personal chemistry with one or two clients. Yeah. Mm. The question is more whether they have respect for you and enough to even agree to give you that kind I of agree thing. it's very telling isn't it and it's always the ones who are reticent to give the references at all in with it we're talking experienced here because obviously that's what I do I only deal with experience there's a reason for that and you can say well maybe there's the one occasion where you've left and it's not been on good terms but what happened to the time before that and like yeah. you say you may you, I just I think you have to when it comes to references they are in theory subjective but you make your own judgment call with it and how open are you about it yeah well I, I i absolutely agree and i would also say that big alarm bells for me will go off if somebody has been through a you know two or more um recruitment jobs and can't put me in touch with anyone yeah no i agree um, i'm thinking oh right okay that's not good. you may have to triangulate it a little bit mm. um but i'm I'm stunned that so few of us actually, you know, go to the trouble of doing this reference thing because mm. it's, it's good networking as well. I agree. Um, so that's my second point. Um, I think the third, uh, the third I'd point, uh, point I'd make is about, you know, overselling the job mm. and its tangible benefits. Mm. So um, we've got very big as an industry on providing lots of not just reward, but recognition and oh my god I mean you know the improvements to working conditions and and fixed benefits since I started oh my god um absolutely 20 days holiday that was it yeah yeah and you had to say you had to save those for Christmas Alison yeah I started in <laughs> recruitment and I made a choice I took a pay massive pay cut mm. and I went on now bear in mind this was the mid 80s but I accepted a base salary of I think it was three and a half thousand pounds and if you put that into an online calculator that will tell you it's only ten and a half thousand pounds now mm. but I I was I was in the higher tax rate within wow. my first six months you know wow. So wow. it was a different world anyway well, actually, it wasn't that different. It was um, my point is things have massively improved. Yes. Um, and we spend a lot of time talking about those things. Mm. So it's it's a part of the overselling mm. um, that, you know, I hear people uh, saying, yeah, yeah, we do loads of training, but it's not actually structured training. It's right. not what the, the, the it's not what the candidate new, needs. A new mm. hire will recognize as training. Mm. Um, and I, I think I would like to see a bit more emphasis on the job uh, in itself mm. being rewarding. Yes. Rather than just, oh, well, you know, you can have a day off if you've, if you've achieved your targets or, um, <clears throat> or you know, we'll give you, um, we'll, you know, we take you off to Ibiza every quarter or whatever it might be. Because those things, the, 
you know, those things in the end will only motivate short term behavior. Yes, agreed. We, I think we should sell the job in itself. And mm. to me, I'm going to I'm going to get all sanctimonious now about this. But to me, what we do is remains really valuable. Work totally. is dead important mm. to people and helping people find the right job um, or the right employer and change their lives. Quite literally. You're not being sanctimonious at all. It's I think it, I always say it's a privilege to, to be a recruiter. You're taking people on a career journey and whether that's a short term contract, whether it's a long term career move. And I think that should shroud everything else that we're motivated by all the things that all the elements that you've said. I mean, I always advise my clients, you know, just to corroborate what you're saying there is I wouldn't go as far as to say, like, paint a bleak picture or give the warts and all, but make it realistic. You know, let them see what a day in the life of, you know, what's it like here on a bad day? What happens if I don't hit my target one month? You know, what will happen then? Because I think. I would rather somebody accepted a job on that basis than, oh, my God, you know, look at our top achievers. You know, that's all great. But like you say, what what is the actual job? What will I actually be doing day to day? Yeah, yeah. Really good. I think so. um, the other one I, I, I really can't let go is that um, onboarding is very, very often still really quite unstructured Mm. I've even um you know known people hire staff and then book a holiday for the first two weeks they're there um Mm. no plans um people have high expectations these days and particularly if they are coming you know for example into their first career job um then to say that you'll get lots of training does not mean just sitting next to somebody listening to one end of a telephone call. No, no, definitely not. I agree with you totally. Managing expectations, isn't it? Yeah, I think that probably covers the biggest things that people get wrong. Understand the profile you're hiring for. Mm. Yeah, have a um, a process that's evidence-based, including referencing. You mentioned more 360 yep. referencing. And then third, get oh, three P's, three P's. We got yeah, we like profile, it. Profile, process, proposition. Proposition. Can I just talk about that for a minute? Of course you can, because that leads very nicely on to, man, I was going to talk about EVP, so we can tie this all in. Right. Absolutely okay, brilliant. So, yeah, so what, we're, what we've just agreed, I think, just between you and I, so we're, we're, <laughs> we've sort of put the world to rights, um, the proposition needs to actually sell the job, not just the benefits. Mm-hmm. Um, the other the other side of this coin is that you can't be all things to all people no definitely Um, not so in my book I tell a story about a business owner who um was really quite impressed with uh you know some of the the posts he was seeing going out on LinkedIn about the you know the uh, ESG work that some other recruiters were doing and so you know he decided to go at it big guns and what he did was he delegated it to his to his marketing department. Mm-hmm. And what they organized really put me in mind of those, you know, those wear your own clothes days that you yeah. had at school. Yeah. Where there was a lot more fun. Well, I was at an all-girls school. I don't know. Me too. <laughs> but my God, there was a lot of fuss around what clothes you wore. But in the end, it raised very little and it was cruel to do with the charity yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. um the purpose of that charity or learning anything about you know mm-hmm. increasing your awareness at all and so 
he realised that after a while, um, you know, had to feel it firsthand that it was just empty. It wasn't motivating the mm. staff and it didn't have much of an impact in terms of image either. So um, my point here is it's just one example of stop just thinking that because someone else offers X, you've got you to, have to do it well. too. You know, oh, yeah, I've, totally. I have had considerable success in hiring, been lucky, but it, for businesses that just, we know what we are, okay? So oh, um, yes. in one business, we had a real long hours culture. Mm. And it, you know, but what we weren't doing was, um, you know, selling ourselves on, oh, well, you can have Friday off or, um, or work really short hours. We were mm. selling ourselves on, do you want that is to make a lot of money? Money, yeah. Um, in a you know in a career where there's a constant demand for staffing um, so if I look at go back to my very early career which was with Hayes even before it was Hayes um, it, the my the point there is they're not selling themselves on we'll pay you a high basic they're selling no. themselves on look it's Hayes it's a huge brand yes that generates business yeah. the phone will ring for you in a business like Hayes and the reality is that that you know that's very rarely going to happen i think in in terms of what you said but i i agree with what you're saying around i mean there's obviously so much um so much so many posts and everybody talks about what their evp actually is and i could not have said it more succinctly than than you've said that you know you can't be all things for everybody and i think you have to we, we use the word authentic all the time don't we now but i think you just have to as a business owner decide this is where we sit and it's not mm -hmm. saying you're not being adaptable you're not evolving with everything else with automation and Anna, we're not saying that but you've got to be true to what your business stands for and if you are wanting to be like mine i make no bones about it it is a boutique business i have no ambitions to grow it i'm about all about profit and about freedom i get to mm -hmm. pick and choose who i work with i get to choose to have a day off if i want to i couldn't do that if i scaled it up and went big but i'm not trying to be anything else so i i live and breathe that ethos but in a reverse way yeah yeah, absolutely agree with you. So I think that, yeah, in summary, then your EVP has to be clearly stated and mm -hmm. it's fine if it's different from the next guys. You yeah. know, you if you're clear about it, you will attract the people who are motivated by that EVP. I totally, you know, it's a bit it's a bit cheesy, a bit cliche, but the whole law of attraction, mm. that's the ethos of the law of attraction, that if you mm. are looking to attract if I was looking to attract other like-minded people to my business, then I will. But if I'm looking, mm. if people came to my business because I'm trying to pretend I'm something else, then then it's not going to ever work out. And I think that's where the whole the whole empire crumbles. I really think that's the case. So you've got so much value that you can add to people, and no wonder you you know you're so well regarded, Alison, and and you're so much fun to get to know. And I'm sure that loads of people are, are enjoying listening, and maybe this is the first time they've listened to you. But if you were to give sort of leaders this sort of final piece of advice in terms of attracting if they could have this viewpoint now as saying like we want to attract the next person what do they need to do today to attract their next best person to their business we are so proud to be partners of needy the gifting revolution here at key recruitment we absolutely love to send out bespoke gifts to our new place candidates to welcome them in their new jobs but also as an extra special thank you to clients or when a team is celebrating something really special. But to be honest, we were really fed up with dull or mediocre gifts that you could just buy on the high street. 
that didn't really reflect who we are at Key Recruitment as a business. This is why we chose Needy. Needy source sustainably from the UK's best independent businesses, offering the most perfect array of bespoke gifts and experiences too. So no more boring bottles of plonk or rubbish boxes of chocolates. This is how you make your customers day with a gift that really matters and shows that you really want to do something special for them. For more information on how psychology and AI forming to make the best gift experience for you, click on the link and remember to mention the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast when ordering. Now, back to the episode. Right, okay. Um, so first step, review your onboarding and, and learning and development. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I know that might seem after, but actually your onboarding and your initial learning and development are part of your EVP. Yeah. So the more structured, documented it is, the more you can actually show people, look, if you join us here, we have such a structure that we can pretty much guarantee that you'll be your earnings will be this and your yeah and your um yeah uh, your growth rate and your and your progression will look like this and by the way here's someone who will genuinely unprepared who will genuinely vouch that this is true definitely um so that's a, i mean god there's a whole other podcast there alicia just i know there is i know what learning and development should look like really important um so that's that's one thing um the second one is that We've spoken already about um, the need to be clear what you're looking for. Brain, everybody who's involved in, in actually, do you know what? I'm going to go further than that. Brain everybody to interview for evidence, even yeah. if they're not involved in your internal recruitment. Well, it'll make them a better recruiter in their job. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, you know, if you if you can train people to do this for internal hiring, mm. they will take it away. And the next yeah. time a client says to them, I need some, you know, finance recruiter says, I need someone with um, really good communication skills. Don't just go, oh, right, I know what that means. Because, you know, he might be thinking really carefully laid out memorandum mm. Mm. and you're thinking charisma, great public speaker, and you're yeah. just going to hire two, two totally different, different people. people. Yeah. Mm. um so interview for evidence train people make sure that and, and part of that is also making sure that they are giving consistent answers um about your evp and about what people's experience will be so good example of this um uh i was talking to a friend of mine who'd been interviewing for a fairly senior position um within the recruitment industry and there were several stages in this there were, i think about four stages mm. and um he actually asked some of the same questions to different people in this right group. okay yeah and got radically different answers oh dear um not just about the the looser stuff like like you know what's the company's strategy but things like what's your success and success rate and attrition rate and you know the answers varied by wow that's quite alarming um yeah. you know look let's be honest there we do all have a tendency no sorry that's too wide many people in our industry 
are quite inclined to make stuff up on the spot yeah. and they're quite good at sounding really confident yes but what they don't realize is that there's a context the other person has maybe heard other Otherwise, stories yeah yeah so I think that that you know consistency um is is really important totally agree um and then um yeah yeah don't try to be all things to all men you know be clear about what you're you're good at and you know if there are trade-offs what they are um I can I have a fourth you can of course you can because it's you <laughs> so use data use information mm. so we talked about referencing I am a huge fan of um of the the proper use of psychometric yes um just want to be clear about this so many people I know have used psychometrics. Mm. So what they do is they haven't properly defined what the behavior, behavioral preferences mm. are, yeah. or even the fluid intelligence level that is required for success. They wait until the very last stage of the selection process. Then they ask someone to sit a test um, or a questionnaire, I should more accurately say. And then they read it and without comparing it to like a an ideal profile there's no bench no benchmarking yeah so if you if you're familiar with some of these reports a lot mm. of them that say they use quite guarded language mm. so they might say could be maybe yeah you know tendency mm. to that yeah and um sometimes it's you know it's highlighting things that are actually not a success factor in the role mm. um but so that's the abuse of psychometrics the best possible use is, of course, to have a clear idea. Um, and I've, you know, I've been in a position where I've been able to do this because I had enough historical data to have a clear idea what the the broad parameters are that have correlated with success, with average performance, and with, you know, below uh, below uh, an acceptable level of success in the past. Mm. Um, and so, you know, for example, with fluid intelligence. I was able to kind of say it's not setting a mark, but it was able to say, look, broad indicator. If it's below this level, they're going to struggle. So let's have a look at what else they've got going for them. Um, yeah, yeah. So that and the referencing that we've spoken about, and um, definitely, yeah, use data. Really important. Without a shot, we've got it. So use it, but use it properly. I think that's the mm. final caveat from a very wise, incredibly knowledgeable recruitment you know you are the unicorn of the industry and we just <laughs> you know I love the way you describe it as an as an ecosystem and I just I can't wait for where our industry is going and then we just you know it's down to people like you that we elevate the perception internally and externally so it's just been a joy to have you on the show today and thank you it's so much for joining pleasure. us uh, it's, we love you on the recruiters recruitment podcast Alison thank you so much uh, it's been my pleasure thanks very much <laughs>